miracle to still have breath in us because Lord God Almighty your faithfulness and your faithfulness alone is what is keeping us and so as a people today we say let your name be glorified as a people today we say let your name be honored and thank you for everything I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice right now oh God that as we continue in this service that the word that liberates the word that sets free the word that make whole the word that causes your children to rise, never to fall. The word that preserves. The word that protects. The word that provides for. The word that caters for. The word that supports. The word that encourages. The word that comforts. Every word and its ramification. Let it be our portion as we hear from your throne of grace today. In the name of Jesus. Indeed, this is our own covenant season of restful increase. And we thank you because despite everything that is happening in our world today, you continue to allow us to enjoy restful increase in you. We say, let your name be glorified. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, brethren. It's really good to have you in the service today. And I want to thank God for your lives. I want to believe God that um, he's doing something awesome that you can tangibly see. The fact that I am standing here and the fact that you can be hearing me or seeing me, uh, is a very clear indication of the day that we are living in today that God is faithful. Uh, we are witnesses to all that is happening around us and um, we are standing because God has a purpose for our lives. And I just want us to know that we are no better than anyone that has had to go by reason of this pandemic. But God's mercy, God's faithfulness, God's loving kindness. So let us celebrate it, let us enjoy it. But above all, let us continue to passionately share it with as many people that we come across because that is why we are still alive. By the grace of God today, we want to uh, just continue on our series. God has been very good to us. A few weeks ago, we started our series on restful increase through our vision mandate. Restful increase through our vision mandate. And as a church, we are called by God to raise with him and uh, for him a people of purity, power, purpose, and prosperity. Now, I always say with him and for him because it's important. With him, because he's the one doing the work, for him, that we will work with him to raise more people. Very simple. To raise with him and for him. So we continue to be discipled, we continue to be tutored, we continue to be taught as to how he wants us to be people of purity, power, purpose, and prosperity. And we're on the third of those series today. And so the title of today's message is Purposeful Lifestyle for Restful Increase. Purposeful Lifestyle for Restful Increase. If you can see the banner, the three arrows there represent the topics we have covered so far up to today. And um, every one of the other things on the banner just shows us how you can uh, continue to follow on, on Facebook, on uh, LiveGate Outreach TV, our YouTube channel. If you have not subscribed to YouTube, go and subscribe to it and get more people to subscribe to it because the version of every message, we have over 200 messages there now, you can listen to. And because we teach in a series, it's always very good to listen to the whole series. God gave us this pattern right from the beginning of the ministry and we have had every Sunday as part of a series. But it's all documented to the glory of God so you can always see the whole picture of what God is speaking about a topic at a time. And so next week we'll be concluding this series as we will look at the word of prosperity. But for today, please be encouraged. Also, under the banner prosperity, you will see our Apple podcast and Google podcast uh, 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 banners, which shows that you can also 
subscribe to these two uh, um, channels, which would, if that is whichever one you use, or if you use both, and you can always get audio messages. So we want to thank God we have had messages there from 2017 September, and every Sunday, a message that has been preached from this church has always been on there. So please continue to use these resources. God enabled us to put them there. The team that works for these things to happen are scattered all over the world, but they make it happen. And God has been good and has been kind. And I want to welcome you all, particularly those who are joining us from very, very far places. I want you to know that uh, God is very, very mindful of you right where you are. And as it is now, we're all in, in, in different places across the world, but it is the same God, the same message. So let us continue to be encouraged as we go on in the service. If you are worshiping for the first time, we would like to know you uh, and um, just get to know a little bit about you before we close today. So please don't rush off and don't be shy because it is good to know that you've joined us today. And may God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been taking our context from Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. This is the scripture God gave to me that revealed the four vision mandates that we have been talking about. And um, Jesus said these words to his own disciples just before he left. That is just before he ascended on high. The Bible says, as the same way he ascended, we will see him. The angels, after he ascended in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, in verse 11, the angels said that as you see him go, he will come in like manner in the sky. And we are living for that phase now where we are waiting, him to, waiting for him to appear again in the sky. But what he said to the disciples, which, which includes you and I today, is that we shall receive power. We, the pure, the saved ones, the ecclesia, the called out ones, we shall receive power. And last week we looked at power, what this power is, how it comes on us, what it does for us, how it enables us to serve God, how it enables us to live life and so on. Listen to last week's message, you will get a fuller picture of that. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And this is our emphasis for today. You shall be witnesses unto me. This is where purpose comes in. We are saved. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We have received power. But what is the purpose? To be witnesses to him. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. When that day, that day helps us to understand how the, the power works in, 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 the, uh, uh, in terms of how we prosper and how we are able to spread the word abroad. We'll be dealing with that next week. But he said, you shall be witnesses unto me. And I, I want us to understand the word witnessing. I don't know if you, if, if you can relate to my own kind of background. When I was much younger, every time we said we are going witnessing, that means we were going on evangelism. And that meant we were going on a formal program where we went out in groups after praying. We went into town. We are still doing it till today as a church. As a matter of fact, last week weekend, we, we were booked to be in the town center, save the pandemic that, that, that resulted all the program. We still do it. We still go out to town, meet people one-on-one, -on -one, put podiums up, and meet people at different places, and we witness. Now, that is true. That is witnessing. But I want us to understand that witnessing is much more than that. In fact, that is, the, that is like the icing on the cake of what witnessing really is. The real cake of what witnessing is is what I want to talk about today. The purpose for which you and I exist. When we talk about witnessing, the word 
witnessing simply means a person who has seen or observed something and is able to testify about it. He has seen or observed something and that person is able to testify about it. You see, it is important that you look at things in the context that uh, they are presented. When you talk about a court, when a matter is to be defended, they will say, do you have a witness? Do you have a witness? And then the, the defense lawyer will say, yes, we have one more witness. And at times, that one witness that comes in does the whole, solves the whole problem because that's the person that saw what happened and that's the person that can validate the story of the defense and so on and so forth, or the story of the prosecution, as, it, as the case may be. Uh, and uh, you, you, we need to see witnessing in this way. Jesus said, you shall be witnesses to me. I am physically, now this is my, my word to paraphrase that, I am physically leaving the earth now, but you shall receive power, and then you will be able to, as many that ask about me, as many that want to know about me, as many that need to understand why I came, you will be my witnesses. You will be witnesses to me, and you will be those witnesses to the end of the earth. That is why some of us have come from African countries, and we are working today in, in European countries, in American countries, in Asian countries. Some of us have come from Asian countries, and we are working in different parts of the world today as witnesses, and there are people from this country who are originally born here in England, working in South Africa, working in other parts of Europe, working in America as witnesses. It doesn't matter where you are. The key thing is that the whole world is being globalized and is being evangelized as witnesses that God has called us to be. So we must understand that the message of purpose, we have to see it as a lifestyle we must live. That's why this message is titled, The Purposeful Lifestyle for Restful Increase. And don't forget that anytime you serve God, anytime you do the things of God, you assure yourself of the covenant promises. This is where restful increase comes in. The covenant promises of those who serve. The diligent, uh, the, the reward of those who diligently serve him. Those are the things that give us restful increase. And the devil knows this, so he makes everything difficult for us in terms of doing what we need to do so that we can become who God wants us to be. But today God will bring clarity to us in the name of Jesus. So the purposeful lifestyle of a, of a Christian or, or, or somebody who is a witness for Christ is simply somebody who has em, encountered Christ and who is deliberately, intentionally, conscientiously, on a systematic and deliberate basis, declaring that good news to as many that come his way or her way. God has invested a lot in you and I, my dear brethren. You do not have the brain to be a solicitor because God just needs lawyers here on earth. That's part of it. You do not have the brains to be a doctor because God just wants you to be a doctor in the numbers. You do not have the brain to be a father and the capacity to father children or to be a mother or give birth to children just because God wants to just multiply and replenish the earth as the case may be. You do not have the brains to be a teacher or whatever you do in this life, a banker, a nurse, a carer, and whatever it is you do, a driver, you do not have the brains to be a businessman or those things that you are doing. Not everybody has the same skill sets as you to be able to do those things. That is God's investment in you and I so that we can be witnesses. And I want you to follow me very carefully in this message today because 
I want there to be a paradigm shift. And as many that hear this message, I want you to send it to as many people as possible because we are living in a time where Christians are not concentrating on the main things. Many of us are talking about end time and worried about technology and the things that will happen after the rapture. That is not the business of the Christian today. The business of the Christian today is active engagement with popularizing and, and depopulating hell and po populating heaven with people to be born again, people to be saved. First for them to live right and for them to be on the way and then get many people more on the way. That is our business. The technology that some, of, some people are arguing about and worrying about is not to be worried about the Antichrist. You are not marked for 666. Keep your mind at rest. If not for the technology, you could not be hearing me today. That is what the technology is for. The technology that will come till Jesus comes will help us to propagate this gospel to the end of the earth. When Jesus was saying this, they had to walk from Jerusalem. They had to walk to Judea. They had to walk to Samaria. They had to walk to Galilee. They had to take ships and go months at a time to go to Rome and to Italy. It was harder. But Jesus knew today that there will be technology that we can use to speak. And people in Germany, we are speaking here in England, people in Nigeria, South Africa, India can hear us in real time. This is what it's for. Don't get confused. You are not marked for the beast. You are not marked for the end time perishing. Just stay on course, engage, be a witness. Be a witness. This is all he's commanded us to do. Not one word of Jesus told us to worry about the Antichrist. Not one. He only said, be aware that he will come. But before he comes, the Son of Man will be manifested. And Paul got the revelation and he said, all of us would have been caught up in the air with him before the Antichrist has any permission whatsoever to come. That's not my message today, but it also augments it. So that we can understand that witnessing is not you just wake up today, you go and do something in your workplace, you come back, then you wait till Saturday when the church you belong to has declared that there is going to be witnessing, in quote, or evangelism. That's not what it is. That is, you are living a life that is not fulfilling the entire purpose. Your day today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you are living out a witness. Whether you are selling uh, 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 insurance or you are, you are treating people in the hospital or you are teaching young children in nursery school or you are teaching university graduates or postgraduates or you are, you are a pilot, whatever you are, you are a witness in that sphere. So every one of us must understand this. He said we shall be witnesses unto him. Every witness is a witness based on what they saw. Look at a crime scene where there was an incident and somebody was living in the third story of, of a building and they could see what happened from the top. And then another person was living across the road but on, at the same level. Now, the two people saw the incident. But the person on the third story will give a different, more comprehensive version of what they can see from the top because of their perspective and understanding. And the person on the ground floor will see and describe what they can see at the horizontal level that they were when it, ha when it happened. When the two come together in court, it gives a holistic picture of what has happened. This is how God wants it to be. That is why you are gifted the way you are gifted so that you can witness from your wiring up, from your configuration, which will shape your perspective of this goal. Friends, however you practice, if you let God reveal to you, and whatever you do in life, if you let God reveal to you how you are to be a witness, you will see that your perspective 
and your ability will help you to witness. Some of us teach naturally in education and in subjects like that, and we find it easier because of that gift. It doesn't always translate, but because of that gift, we find it easier to manifest in the area of teaching. We find it easier because it is a natural, in a way, it's a natural gift that God can breathe on and now use it to witness and help us to structure what we do. And there are many examples like that. Matthew 25 is a very interesting story. We will not read everything today, but we know the story of the ten, uh, the, the, not the ten lepers, the, 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 the parable of the ten talents. And in verse 14, Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Verse 15. The Bible says, And to one, he gave five talents to another two and to another one. Talking about three different people now, one. To each one, each of the three, he gave according to his own ability and immediately he went on a journey. This is how I want you to see Acts chapter 1 verse 8. When he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. As he left, the Bible says he rose and he gave gifts to men. So this is why we must understand that some of us are sitting on two talents because we have been given three, but we are using only one. Some of us are sitting on four talents because we have been given five and we are managing to use only three. So we are sitting on two other talents. Some of us are sitting on the one talent like it happened in this very parable. Some of us are sitting on the one talent that we have because we are using it, but we are not really productive with it. So we are technically like that man burying it. May that not be our story. This is why some people don't understand how can one person, somebody is a, is, is a doctor, and yet he also practices in, in, in the business world, in the financial sector. He's also very good. How, how, how can that be? If he is wired up to have those two talents, and at times, on top of it, he does ministry. <laughs> and the people say, but how does it? It is about the talents that God has given, and we don't all have to be the same. We don't all have to be the same. For example, in pulpit ministry, there are people who will not do any other thing, only preaching and preaching alone. That does not make them any less or any better than those who will preach and practice in medicine or practice in engineering, like myself, by God's grace, and practice in another sector of life again. It doesn't matter. It is about the talents you have been given to be a witness. He knows what he's doing. Every one of us must come together and recognize that God is the one. So every witness is endowed from on high. And we are endowed so that we can keep testifying about this God. Daniel chapter 1, throughout this week we'll be looking at the story of Daniel from time to time. We'll look also at the story of Hezekiah. Those of you that have the, the bulletin would know that we have identified those. You can read them, especially as we fast tomorrow, to get the, a better perspective of these things. But the story of Daniel is one that we can never move away from when we talk about purpose and fulfilling purpose. And in Daniel chapter 1 verse 17, the Bible talks about something about Daniel and he and his brothers. The Bible says, and uh, Daniel 1 verse 17, verse 17, verse, and for these four young men, sorry, verse, thank you. As for these four young men, 
that God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Can you see purpose? There were four. This is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the Bible says the four of them, God gave them. God gave them knowledge and skill in literature and wisdom. Literature and wisdom. They were not gifted scientifically. Nothing about science there. Literature and wisdom. That is the gift. But with those gifts, they demonstrated the efficacy of God right to the very point where their lives were threatened about it. They were witnesses of this God with all the gifts they had. And on top of that, Daniel now had understanding in all visions and dreams. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not try to interpret one dream. Never. Because it was not their gifting. This is why many people do not understand that until you locate your, your place in this witnessing agenda and you find what God has given you to do and find your energy in it, looking at what somebody else is doing or comparing yourself to another person is not wisdom. But the same Daniel who had understanding in all visions and dreams, when it was a challenge to bring an interpretation to a dream, he went back to the same brethren. That is where our camaraderie comes in place. That is where our compatriotship comes in place. That is where our communion works. We come together to pray and strategize. This is the work of the church. We come together to be equipped. We come together to be enhanced. We come together to be refired. Then we launch out in our different areas of calling and continue to be salt and light as witnesses. We have turned the church, and I'm talking about the global church now, and I hope this pandemic will help us to reset, as I've been saying, to have a reset button that helps us to change and think about what the church should be, what the church is, what the church was before this pandemic, what it is right now, and then use this time to think about what it should be, because this time will pass. We need to refocus the church. The church is a training center. When we meet on Sundays like this, whether in cyberspace or in physical space, what we are called to do is to equip one another. My duty is not to stand as one mega man who is better than you. It's just to, to stay in my office, receive the message of the hour, and cascade it to every one of you and say, brethren, let's be fired up. This is what God is encouraging us to do. And then we look at areas of life where you need to be enhanced to do the work better. And then you go out running on the strength of that word. You develop as well. And then we go on like that. The church is not meant to be a social club or a social center where we just come in and all we do is socialize and do those things, which has happened sadly for the past few decades. But I believe that this opportunity will give us a radical way of thinking, looking at how we move forward from here. The Bible says these four young people, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Anne Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. That was their talent, and they used it to the core. We must therefore recognize our earthly purpose in God so as to be productive, so as to be purposeful, you cannot be purposeful until you know what God has called you to do. And knowing what God has called you to do is not rocket science. It's not anything complicated. Many people have said, Lord, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know my calling in life. I don't know. I'm still waiting to know what my calling is in life because they don't have a call to a pulpit yet or they don't have something spiritual that they think that is a calling, that they're a missionary somewhere. All those things are types of calling. 
everything God puts in your hand to do now is a calling. Don't forget, not everyone can do what you do. Whatever it is you do, not everyone. Not everyone. And God has put in you the ability to do what you are doing because it is your calling. And as many of us that want to walk purposefully in our areas of calling, we must learn to, this, to, to understand these callings much better. Jesus said in John chapter 12, we read from verse 20 to verse 32 in our Bible reading earlier on today, if you are just joining the service. But I want to just pick out a few verses there. In verse 24, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. What does that mean? It means that a grain, you and I, must yield ourselves to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in identifying with what he did for us and making us a new creation. We must understand that. So many of us might have understood our calling. And we are working in our businesses, we are working in our vocations, but we are not dying to be used as producing much grain for God. What do I mean by that? We only see our jobs as income generators, which they are, but that is not the end. That is not the end. What makes me different from the person who is yet to come to the faith and we are in the same profession? Nothing in terms of income, but there is a big difference in terms of the fact that I have seen the light, I am a witness, and they are not yet a witness. So my duty is to witness to them to also become a witness. That's what Jesus commanded us to do. My duty is not to harass them about 5G and tell them the Antichrist is, is coming to put 666 in everybody and make them more afraid. My duty is to tell them that truly there is an antichrist that is coming, but right now we have an opportunity that the tribulation, the post-rapture tribulation manifestation of the antichrist will not be our portion. And then we enjoy eternal life from now. And then I witness, I say the things that I have experienced, the joy I've experienced, the peace I've experienced, I declare to them that it comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus said, my peace, I live with you. The kingdom of God is in righteousness and peace and joy. So I tell them that I am a witness. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So I tell them, look, I have tasted this. I have seen it. And I am asking you also to taste it and see. That's what makes colleagues different. When one has found the ways of the Lord and the other is yet to come. So if the one who has found the way is refusing to shine the light, is doing what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He's doing contrary to it. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He said, because nobody lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. You don't want to put it under a bushel. So we must all understand, it takes a death. It takes a death. Not a physical death, but a saying, Lord, I yield my life. Whatever you have put in me, Lord, I yield my life to be serving you in that place. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. This is why many people are struggling. 
Many people are working, but they are struggling because they don't realize that what frees you from the struggle of this world like everybody else is when you have yielded yourself and you have died. Then that profession that looks common for everybody begins to produce much grain for you. It begins to service you much better than you can imagine because you have yielded that profession. You have yielded that talent to the things of God. God is always looking for people. That's why in the parable of the talents, he took the one from the one who buried it and gave it to the one who had already gained another five with his first five. God is always looking for productive people. If you don't want a life, I'm not trying to harass you or make you fearful. I'm just trying to tell you the scriptures and what I live by the grace of God. If you want life to speak for you and you want things to be easy for you, you want God to always fight for you, Put him as priority in everything you do. Whether you are a coach, whether you are a footballer, you are a dancer, you are a singer, it doesn't matter. Just let everyone around you know that you have got the light and you are going to let your light so shine. When we're young, we sing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. But we don't know what it means. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I will sing and dance and sing and dance. But we don't do it. <laughs> We've got to let it shine. That's what the song says. We've got to do it. Let it shine. Verse 25. Verse 25. He said, he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Verse 26. Verse 26. Let's keep going. If anyone serves me, are you a servant of God? He's talking to you and I now. If anyone serves him, let him what? Follow me. Let him obey me. Let him do what I've said. Let him live by my example. Let him forgive like I forgave. Let him love like I love. Let him be compassionate like I was compassionate. Let him give like I gave. Let him speak like I spoke. Let him be, 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 be gentle like I was gentle. Let him do everything as I've done. Let him follow me. He said, and where I am, there my servant will be also. Where is he? At the right hand of God the Father. That's why the Bible says, the psalmist said in Psalm 16 verse 5, Oh, the Lord is good. He said, the Lord at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Lord is seated right where he is, at the right hand of God the Father. He said, if you follow me, with the giftings and the things I've given you, he said, where I am, there you will be also. He said, if anyone serves me, not anyone just mentions me by name, not anyone calls himself a Christian but is not serving me. He said, if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. You want to see honor in your life? You just serve. Use your gift to serve him. Notice I have not talked about being an usher, being a chorister, being a pastor, being a, a, a pastor, uh, an evangelist or an apostle or any of those things as such. I am talking about what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Every one of those things has the connotation of it all inside. The fivefold ministry as we call them, Ephesians 4.11 was very clear. The duty of those things is not to be brandishing titles all over the streets. Say, I am evangelist this, I am apostle that, I am pastor that. No, it is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And after you equip the saints, drop all the titles. Get practical, get real, get entrenched into the world system. Infiltrate the world with your light. Infiltrate the world with your salt. Nobody wants to know whether you are an evangelist, 
in, 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 in a school or in a hospital. Nobody wants to know whether you are an apostle. That's not, that's not really, what is, the, what is an apostle? A doctor who is an apostle shouting in the hospital, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle, is useless. It's useless. In that his doctoring, in that his work, all he needs to do, in that his medical practice, all he needs to do is to let the light of God shine through him. And I know we are living in an age where there is a lot of conflicting ideas and postmodernism and people making it more difficult and saying that you can't impose your views on others. It is not about those things. With the wisdom of God, we know and we can take advantage of every opportunity God gives to us. And I know God will continue to help us all to understand how to keep shining the light everywhere we are in the name of Jesus. Verse 27. He said, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He said, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. I want you to know many times you feel like giving up. Many times you feel like things are not working the way you expected. And it is a devil's strategy to try to frustrate you, especially where you work or in the business that you are in. He tries to bring things that will make you want to give up. But remember like Jesus, he said, Father, save me for this hour. He said, but for this purpose, I came. Always remember that for this purpose, to expand the kingdom of God, to talk about his kingdom, to talk about his love, for that purpose, God has kept you in that place. And when God wants to move you on, if he chooses to, then he will move you on gloriously. But never let the frustration of the workplace or your business ever get to you to the point where you forget that you have a purpose there. Always remember, every time you remember your purpose, when Jesus remembered his purpose, he always got fired up. In Gethsemane, he said, if it was possible, let this cup pass over me. The moment he remembered his purpose, he said, but not my will, but your will. What is the will of the Father? That he manifests. First John chapter 3, verse 8, he said, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the evil one. So I want you to all to be encouraged today, friends. This has been my life for ever since I've known myself, especially in the last 30 years. This has been my life. I just throw myself into the things of God anywhere I find myself. I've, not waited, I did not, I've never waited to receive something from God. And when people say, oh, God spoke to them in a certain way, I really doff my heart. I never wait. I just keep serving. Then he speaks. I keep serving, then he speaks for the next phase. I keep serving, then he speaks for the next phase. In 1989, I'll just quickly tell you a snapshot because you see, if I am preaching to you and I'm telling you things that are theoretical and I've not practiced myself, then I must be a miserable person. <laughs> but I'm telling you exactly what my life has been. In 1989, I just finished university. I was very young, I was only 20 years old. Uh, just finished, graduated, and served my country as it is in Nigeria when you graduate. I, still, they, I believe they still do that till now. You serve the nation for one year. They post you anywhere they want to post you outside your local domain, and you go there to serve. So I went there to serve, and I joined the Christians there. In 1990, we were just serving, going on evangelism, doing programs, and then we had a drama group. I liked drama all my teenage years. I acted drama and wrote a lot of drama in church life. I liked acting. I believe acting has a way, it communicates messages in a very succinct and unique ways. And so, I joined the drama group and I was made the drama leader of the very town I was in, of that Christian fellowship. And after that, the last, one of the last dramas we did, I was given the role in one of our plays, I didn't write the play, somebody else wrote the play, and I was given the role of a preacher. And we went and we stood, I stood on the pulpit like this, preached for five minutes. Drama turned to real message. 
people in the audience, they were not supposed to participate in the altar call. It was supposed to be an altar call for drama people. People in the audience joined when we were doing the altar call at the end of the play. And then I, did, I looked at my director. I didn't know what to do. He said, carry on. <laughs> carry on. That is drama ended. This is now real ministry. So we converted the, 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 the laying on of hands to to, to, to the, the ministration from inside the drama now extended to the audience. <laughs> and from that day, God let me see that I had a call to the pulpit ministry. This was sometime in April, May 1990. And I didn't do much about it till then. I just carried on doing little meetings here and there, here and there. But in 1992, in May 1992, exactly the time, the month I met my wife now, when we met and we decided that we we're going to get married by God's grace, that later that month, God gave me the first opportunity to preach to about 500 people. And from that month, everything changed. And from that point, it was clear to me that I was called to pulpit ministry. But here I was, young coming, upcoming engineer, still doing my life. I was in education, and from time to time, I was practicing outside and things like that. And I didn't know what God was doing. And I just joined. Every church I went, I'll cut the story, long story short. Every church I went, every town I found myself, I just submitted myself to the things of God. I just submit myself to the things of God. At a point I got to a church, there was no singer there. I just submitted myself to become the worship, to become one of the members of the worship team, and they made me a worship leader. I just joined. I just do things. And from all those stages, God started to show me one by one what he meant. He took me to a firm to develop my engineering career very soundly between 1994 and 2000. From that firm, God took me to a global stage and I was traveling all over the world and doing things, preparing myself for an international consultancy practice that I did not know about. But I just gave myself to it. When I joined that firm, I mobilized everybody there, let's go to church, let's be, let's be godly. You know, these things are online and people will hear these messages. So if I'm lying, all of them are free to come in and text and say, ah, Brother Dave, you lied. <laughs> because it's just exactly what it is. I mobilized all of them from my boss to all my colleagues. We all got mobilized into the church that we were fellowshipping then between 1995 and the year 2000. And then God lifted me. In 1998, God told me he was going to take my ministry out and minister in a unique way. I didn't know what that meant. I just came and told my wife I was traveling from Tel Aviv to Amsterdam and God told me that and I came back home and I told my wife. And 2000, God brought us to this country. And I just kept on serving. I joined the church. I threw myself into service, offered my house for house fellowship, just started. I was given opportunity to be preaching. I started preaching there and I was developing myself academically, developing myself professionally. And this was stage to stage. For 12 years, God did not say anything specifically until 2012 when God spoke to me that it was time to take the ministry to another level. And 2013, by the grace of God, this ministry was born. After praying for about nine, 10 months intensively to the glory of God and everything else is history. I can look back today and be thankful for ministry, but the same way God has helped me academically, he's helped me in engineering. In engineering practice, I've by the grace of God been involved in projects worth over 150 million pounds to date just by divine coincidence and divine arrangements. Seeing several people graduate in their hundreds in, 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 in the field of construction, construction management, and, and a few even through PhD. What am I saying all this for? I did not know as at 1990, when I stood on that place to preach that message, and that happened and God spoke to me that he was giving me a pulpit ministry. I didn't know how it was going to emerge 
I didn't know where. And up till now, I don't know where it is going. I just know that it is going and it will grow more than this to the glory of God. I'm only telling you, friends, the secret is just throw yourself into service. Just throw yourself into service. And God will begin to unfold things for you one step at a time. Two things Jesus said that I would like us to be very mindful of or that we can see from the life of Jesus. Number one, to live purposefully in, as a witness, we must be prayerful, focused, and tenacious. Mark chapter 1, Jesus taught us a principle here. Mark chapter 1 from verse 35. We must be a people who are prayerful, be a people who are focused, and who are tenacious. I'll quickly read these four verses. Look at it. He said, now in the morning... Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said, everyone, look at this now, everyone is looking for you. Verse 36, he prayed. Verse 37, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, verse 38, read it if you can, wherever you are. Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. Not for what everyone is looking for me. Not for what everyone is looking for me. In the year 1998, 2000, people were telling me, Brother Dave, you have, such, you have this grace to be a preacher. What are you still doing with engineering? Why don't you just go full time? That's the word that time. They'll say, why don't you? I say, but what is full time? I'm full time in full time. So what is full time? But I don't blame the brethren. That was their understanding. In the 90s, in the 80s, if you were called to pulpit ministry, it was like a taboo to do anything else. It was almost like you are a sinner <laughs> if you are doing anything else. So everybody was concerned for me. They said, but brother Dave, when are you going to come full time? When are you going to come full time? Go back to verse 37. When are you going to come full time? Verse 37, they say, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is trying to get you to do something else. You need to be prayerful. You need to be focused. As God reveals your life to you, you need to be focused. Verse 38 again. The Bible says, he said to them, because for this purpose I have come forth. And verse 39. Verse 39. And he was preaching. That is his purpose. Not because people were looking for him. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Every one of us must understand that we have a duty to continue to discover God's call upon our lives. There are, there are positions now, no matter what it is, except God tells me to go and take it. Even if they offer me with a big, big package with it, I will not take it because it's not my calling. God is my witness. I will not because I understand my calling. Unless God says to me, go, I don't go. I don't go. Many times people have told me, they said, go and start ministry, go and start ministry. I told you I waited 12 years in this country. The pressure was on me, especially in the year 2009, that this is the thing, go and start ministry. But I prayed, God didn't say one word. Everybody that came around me, I said, God didn't tell me to do anything. And I was like a fool. I was like a fool. If I had gone before God that time, I don't know where I would have been today. When you take time to pray, he gives you confidence. They were looking for him, but he said, no, I came to preach. And he was preaching in their synagogue throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. That is why he came. So we must be prayerful, we must be focused, and we must be tenacious. Tenacious there means that you are continuing to go. You are steadfast. You are focused. You are, you are not allowing yourself to give up. You don't let go of your calling. You keep going regardless of people's opinions. People will tell you that you are missing something. 
People will tell you that you are not good enough in something. That's normal. At times it's good, it helps you to improve, but at times it's just a device of the devil to try to make you. You are preaching in your workplace, you are trying to reach out to people, somebody comes and says, oh, you every day, Jesus, Jesus, don't you know anything else? You know, it can, be, it can make you feel intimidated, but with the wisdom of God and the demonstrations of God, God will keep giving you ways and keep giving you insight into how to do in each case. So number two, number one is be prayerful, be focused and tenacious, like we read in Mark 1, 35 to 39. Number two, keep trusting God for his glory as we serve, as witnesses. We must keep trusting God for his glory. Everyone that serves God, God said he will reward them. He will glorify them. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 12, where we read earlier on, but we'll read now verse 28 to 30. He said, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Verse 29. And then in verse 29, verse 29. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said, it had thundered. And others said, an angel has spoken to him. <laughs> Some people say, ah, this is thunder. Some people say, angel spoke to him. But look at what he said in verse 31. And whatever you do, try to read this with me. He said, then Jesus answered and said, or verse 30, sorry, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. This voice did not come because of him, but for my sake. This voice did not come because of him, but for your sake. What does that mean? It means that what that voice said, it's not about him. Go back to verse 28. He said, I have both glorified and will glorify it again. It is for your sake. He has glorified himself in the Son, first and foremost. But he will glorify his name again in your life and in my life. That's why Jesus said, the voice you heard from heaven that said, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. It's not for me. I am already glorified. But you will be glorified by my Father also. Hallelujah. This is what we need to know. That is why he said to them from verse 21, John chapter 12, 20, verse 21. John chapter 20, verse 21. He said, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of receiving the Holy Spirit is found in verse 23. As people who will be witnesses, everything we do must start from there. He said, you will have the Holy Spirit, and then if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sin of any, they are retained. He gave us the power to forgive. We have to be people who live out of the forgiveness of God. Jesus showed us in every instance that he was willing to forgive everyone. Even the rich young ruler that went away sorrowful in Mark chapter 10, he would have been forgiven. Anyone who is willing to forgive, when he says if you retain any, it doesn't say that he's telling you to be retaining any. It's just saying that if the persons and whatever it is, they, they themselves don't desire to be forgiven, there's nothing you can do. That's what it means. It doesn't mean, ah, Jesus say I should retain some. <laughs> because <laughs> brethren, you have to be very careful when they read things like this, they just say, Jesus said, I can retain, so okay, this, this I retain, this one I forgive. No, that's not what he's saying. He's just saying that as many that come to you and as many that are in that situation where you can forgive, make sure you forgive. 
because the Holy Spirit is at work in you. You cannot be a faithful witness of Christ if you live in unforgiveness. You can't. And this is a plague in the body of Christ today. Many people walking about in unforgiveness, in hatred and bitterness, and expecting the power of God to move, expecting to be the proper salt, to be the proper light. They, 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 they hate their brethren. They are bitter against the pastor. They are bitter against the, 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 the other brethren. They are bitter in the workplace. And anybody says, oh, just praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. And then we are wondering why things are not happening. We're wondering why there is no light that is shining. We're wondering why there is no saltiness as it ought to be. Jesus said, if you forgive the sins of any, the Holy Spirit is at work in you to get rid of every bitterness, to get rid of every clutter and the things that the enemy uses to trap people today. Because he wants to glorify you. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He wants to glorify you. He wants your life to be beautiful. He said, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called, to those who are witnesses according to his purpose. Everywhere they are proposed to live, to live purposefully, he is called them, and verse 29 says that, for him whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Remember, he said that this voice did not come because of me, but also for you, because he's the firstborn. And verse 30, he said, moreover, him he predestined, this he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, this he also glorified. If you serve God, his intention is to glorify your life. What does glorify mean? It is not just the glory that we will get at the end of the day. It talks about beauty. It talks about sufficiency. It talks about peace. It talks about God's love being outpoured on you. God's divine protection. That is his glory. That is what you enjoy as a witness. When you join a new job, they will tell you these are the benefits of the job. These are the benefits of the job. And as soon as you... You, 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 you read it, you are encouraged that, oh, so this is my package. If I serve like this, this is what I get. I have medical insurance. I have this. I have that. I have travel. I have this. I have a car. And you are happy because those are the things that are attached. Those are the glories that are attached to the job. Every witness has the glory of God upon their lives. Things that no human being can give you. Just yield yourself. Just yield yourself to be a witness indeed. That is why he said, anyone who holds on to his life, he will lose it. Or anyone who yields his life, he will gain it. And gain it for even eternal life, the abundant life. I conclude this by reminding us that we have authority to be witnesses. Matthew 28. We have authority to be witnesses. Whatever our vocations, whatever you are doing in life, you have authority. You don't need to wait. You have the authority of God there to be a witness there. And at times, you can witness without necessarily speaking. And I know that this has been very controversial. At times, we think until we open our mouths to start saying that Jesus loves you. You need to gain entrance into everybody's life first. Do your work well. That's the number one witness. If you don't do your work well, it makes it difficult for you to be a witness. Be good at what you do. Because God has already put the talent of excellence in you, tap into it, be good, be an undeniable force as much as God helps you. That is the number one thing, uncompromised. We have seen believers 
who are shabby at job and want to tell people about Jesus, I think it is a misnomer and it is not right. We should do everything we can. We are punctual, we are disciplined, we are diligent with work, we are not the weakest link, and we do everything we can to, to, to develop ourselves. Because if we don't put this balance, we will keep repeating the mistakes of the past. You dress well. You carry yourself in dignity. You don't just appear like somebody who is unserious. When they are joking and jesting about things that are unimportant, don't be arrogant and just walk away from there. Give a smile, but let them know that you are not validating it. There is a way you do it. They don't see you as arrogant, but yet they see you as principled. It works. But when you walk away as if, as if they, are, they, are, they, are, they, are, they are the biggest fools on earth, they won't listen to you. They don't want to hear what you have to say because you are not showing love. Jesus sat down with tax collectors. Did he collect anybody's tax? He sat down with prostitutes. Did you see him in a brothel? You can sit with sinners. Don't be afraid. You can sit with sinners. You can sit with sinners. It is only when you sit in the seat which means that you are there permanently. This, the seat of the sinners is different from sitting with sinners. Sitting, S-I-T-T-I-N-G, is different from taking a seat, S-E-A-T. Taking a seat with the scornful is being part of it and enjoying it. But sitting, S-I, the type Jesus did, S-I-T-T-I-N-G, sitting with sinners simply means you are there to shine light. And if you find that there is a resistance or there is, you pick, you move because you don't have a seat there. You are only sitting there. You don't have a seat there. I hope it's clear. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the work of witnesses. This is the work of the church today. Not to be teaching people to be afraid of 666. Don't get me wrong, there is going to be 666. There is going to be an antichrist. We all know those things. But let us not be, let us not waste our energy and time on teaching those things that are unimportant in quote. The most important thing is to keep teaching the people. First, go back to 19. The most important thing is to go and make disciples of all nations. Not harassing the world that an antichrist is coming. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then verse 20. Teaching them to observe. Discipling them to observe. He said, and then I am with you always. So let us know the balance. The church of God must stay focused. The devil is through this pandemic looking for ways to distract us from praying, number one. And then number two, from teaching the right things. I hope every church will listen to the voice of the Spirit and reset. Messages must change after this pandemic. Any message that is not teaching people about heaven and getting them prepared for heaven and getting them to get others to prepare for heaven and getting them to get more others to prepare for heaven is a waste of time. Message that is concentrated only on what you will get on this earth and no more is a waste of your time. You don't need to go to church to learn what you will get in this world. 
You don't need to, what do you need church for? Business people teach it. Motivational speakers teach it. How to be promoted, how to get things in this life. You don't need, you don't need church for that. But only the church can tell you to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ. Only the church can tell you that he's coming again and he's going to rapture those who have received him. He's going to rapture and take away those who have received him. And anyone who stays after that will face the wrath of the Antichrist. That is the message of the church. But don't be afraid of that if you have nothing to worry about. Nobody, according to scripture, has a right to put any mark of the beast on any human being till after Jesus comes. Don't be afraid. I was telling my wife yesterday, as far back as 1979, I remember very well, I was just 10 years old, people were afraid of credit cards. <laughs> people were afraid of credit cards. They thought it was the card of the Antichrist. <laughs> they thought it was the card of the Antichrist. This card that you can take anywhere and spend money, they say, ha, ah. I remember some Baptist preachers there were saying, that is the card of the Antichrist. Sorry, I had to mention Baptist. I got baptized in Baptist. I'm, I'm a Baptist myself, so I'm not criticizing them. But this is what I've lived through. I was only 10 years old. And then 40 years later, people are shouting again, and then I can't open my mouth to say, don't be distracted. 5G, 10G, all those things will come. We will use them till Jesus comes. If they go up to 50G till Jesus comes, we will keep using it to preach the gospel. <laughs> and more people will be saved than ever before. <laughs> and then Jesus will come and rapture much more than the devil was planning. But if people don't listen and they are caught up after that, that is when they have problem. Because that's what the Bible says. Every week till Jesus tells us otherwise, we'll be breaking bread. We'll be breaking bread and taking communion in this church. So please, always be ready every Sunday. I should have told you this last Sunday. But we'll break bread again today. But friends, I want you to be settled. Just be a witness. God wants to do new things in your life. We're not going to take a song today, but we're going to break bread. If you have not prepared your material, just get up wherever you are. Anything you can find that can symbolize the body and the blood, make sure you take it. The children are having their classes, but make sure you give them their communion where they are. As I pray over the emblems, wherever you are right now, I'm praying over them in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for everything that you have given to us. Thank you for this emblem. Thank you because it represents the body of Jesus and we thank you for this cup, which represents his blood. As I lift it up, O oh God, and as my brethren partake, every one of us will continue to experience your goodness. Every one of us will continue to experience the power to be witnesses indeed, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Today, as you partake, as you are eating, I'll be praying over your life. Just be, be, be breaking it and eating it. Pray over the material. Say, thank you, Lord, for it, as it is blessed. In, this is the body, the one that is representing the body. This is the body, the cup that represents his blood. Say, Lord, this is your blood in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your servants all over the world, everywhere the sound of my voice, as they are listening to this right now, I decree that whatever it is that is in our bodies resisting the flow of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses effective. Let this body and blood of Jesus that we are partaking of today do a quickening work in us. Let it revive our bodies. Let it revive our minds. Grant us great grace. Grant us great grace. I decree that every one of you, as you partake of it, strength comes into you. Strength in your inner being. Strength of the physical mind. 
strength that is beyond human comprehension. It is your portion right now in the name of Jesus. God is doing a new thing in your life. Your intellectual being is being stimulated so that you can be excellent at the work you do. God is helping you to be promoted so that you can have more influence. God is helping you for your business to pick up. Your business will not run aground. Your business will not die because in that place, you are the voice speaking the light. You are the voice speaking to the world. In the name of Jesus, the Lord will keep you. The Lord will establish you. Those of you that are studying, you will, you will complete your studies in time. In the name of Jesus, Rebos Kitibrahani Konto Sobrekinikash, Lekro Dobososo Konto Beni, Karanibososo Konto Boradi Kiraji Bushuri Karida, Heli Kanta Korodi Bebesasa Kanta Korodi Boborodi Babayata. Blessed be your name, O God, in the name of Jesus. So shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you today. We are grateful. We just pray that as we come.